from him who is one with the Heavenly Father and one with the Holy Spirit, and from him who has made himself one with all of us and one with you, from him who has drawn Megan and Thomas and Aurora close to him, from him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, especially these first words that we read of Jesus' prayer where he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is our text. Dear Megan and Thomas and Aurora and friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the most cool, incredible, yes, I would even use the word awesome things about today is that Jesus prayed for you. In fact, he knew you, he knew all about you, he knew every detail of your life even before you were born. He knew all about you, in fact, even before the world was created, and yet he saw fit to pray for you. Not just the three of them, but for you, for all of us, Jesus prayed for us. How incredible is that? And we know that he did so because our gospel lesson for today tells us just that. Jesus prayed not just for his disciples that night, but he also prays for those who will believe in him through their word, and that's us. That's you, the three of you. Not too long ago, a survey came out from Americans who pray, and the question was asked, what do you pray for? And it came out that these were the top 10 things that people prayed for, from the things that they prayed for the most to the things that they prayed for the least. And these are the things they prayed for. First, for family or friends. Second, for their own problems and difficulties. Third, for good things that recently occurred. Fourth, their own sin. Fifth, people in natural disasters. Sixth, God's greatness. Seventh, their future prosperity. Eight, people of other faiths or of no faith. Ninth, for government leaders. And then finally coming in tenth, celebrities or people in the public eye. There are all kinds of things that American believers pray for. And maybe you resonated with some of those things on that list. But, but when all was said and done, there in the upper room, the night when Jesus was betrayed, just before he went out into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray some more about his impending death, Jesus prayed for you. And what was most on Jesus' heart that night in the upper room was you. Imagine that. Not just you in general, but that you would be in unity, in fellowship, that you would be one with fellow believers. Listen to how Jesus prays for you, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
Now, it's pretty sad that over the course of time, we Christians have battled against that prayer of Jesus, if you think about it. Over the course of centuries, the Christian faith has been divided into hundreds, maybe even thousands of different denominations. Not only that, but our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, has, spends far too much time bickering and posturing and fighting to win political battles. And before we get too far at pointing the finger to other people, we better think about ourselves as well. Because we each personally rage against Jesus' prayer when we fail to help others even right here in our own congregation or, or criticize them or want nothing to do with them. That's not what Jesus prayed for. Jesus prayed that we would all be one. So what does that have to do with confirmation today? Well, today, I would argue, is a day of unity. Jesus is working right here and right now to make that unity happen. And so before we come to the altar where Jesus gives us perfect unity in his communing meal, I want to introduce you to our confirmands who are about to join us and be unified with us as we gather at this table here this morning. First is, on the far end, Aurora Flores, who is a graduate of St. Luke's Lutheran School. Aurora plays the cello and loves animals. In the middle... Our only boy this year is Thomas. Thomas Russell is a graduate of Lawton Childs Middle School in Oviedo, and he loves soccer and Pittsburgh sports teams. I think we can forgive him for that. And then here on the end is Megan Thomason, who just graduated from Glen Ridge Middle School in Winter Park. Megan loves to be involved in theater, and she has a great sense of humor. These are your sisters and brother in Christ. They come from three different areas of town. They have varied gifts and talents and abilities, and those gifts and talents and abilities are added to our congregation so that we are made even more fully the body of Christ. And I want to suggest to you this morning that these three right up here in front are an example to the rest of us. They are an example to all of us because the prayer of Jesus is being answered in these three. Over the course of this past year, as they've studied together, they have come to see each other not just as peers and friends, but more than that, they have seen each other and now see each other as sisters and a brother in the faith. That's something that doesn't just happen. That is the working of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit has been working in and through his word over the course of decades and now over the course of this past year to unify these three as an example to the rest of us of the unity that we share. And here's what the Holy Spirit does for them. He gives them Jesus. And he gives all of you Jesus. And he gives all of us together Jesus. And now Jesus doesn't just hope that there's unity and love in his church. Jesus does what it takes to make sure to create and make that unity happen. In fact, the following day after Jesus prayed this prayer, there in the upper room, 
Jesus suffered the horrors of the cross. In the creed, we say, as the compromands can tell you, he was crucified, died, and was buried. Far too often, we kind of just gloss over those words. We read right through them without really thinking about what those few simple words really mean. They show us what Jesus has done for us to bring us together in unity and to join us together with him and with our heavenly father. Because on the cross, Jesus suffered full, literal hell. Jesus was damned for you on the cross. He was separated completely from his heavenly father so that we would never be. He took the punishment that we deserved for tearing things apart. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus instead of on us. And he was torn apart. He was torn apart both physically and spiritually so that we would be brought together and made whole in him in perfect unity and in loving unity with one another. The theme of this year's confirmation has been two words, but grow. But grow. That comes from 2 Peter 3.18, which says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what this verse is telling us is that growth isn't just a one-thing thing that happens and then stops, but growth is a continual thing that happens throughout the course of our lives as we grow in Christian maturity, either until we die or until Jesus comes back. And you know, try as hard as we might, we would never be able to do that on our own. We need Sunday school teachers and confirmation instructors and pastors and, and I would argue most importantly of all Christian parents who grow us and nurture us in the faith from day one until it's time to send those kids out of the household on their own. But more than that, Peter says that the source of our grace and knowledge is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who grows us from the very beginning. So when Aurora and Thomas and Megan were baptized, they were given the gifts, fully and freely, the gifts of both grace and knowledge, the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so were you when you were baptized. You were given grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so now Peter says, grow in what you have already been given and in what Jesus has said you already are. Megan, child of God. Thomas, child of God. Aurora, child of God. Your name, child of God. You have been given grace. You are God's child. Now live in that grace and knowledge. You are his. You are one with the members of this church. You are one with all believers, whoever came before, whoever will come after us, with all believers in heaven and on earth. You are one with them, and most importantly, you are one with God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. That is one of the answers to the prayer that Jesus prayed on Maundy Thursday. 
And he's praying that throughout the course of your entire life. In fact, Jesus is praying for you. Whether you are being confirmed today or you were confirmed 50 years ago, Jesus is praying right now that you would live a life of selfless love. That you would think of others before yourself. That you would put the members of this congregation ahead of your own needs and wants and desires. Jesus is praying that for you. And Jesus practiced that kind of love for you. And now he's about to deliver that love into your mouth to eat and to drink so that you will continue to grow in grace and knowledge. So as we gather around the table here today, Jesus is going to once again, as he does every time we come to that table, make us one with himself and make us one with our Heavenly Father and make us one with one another. And that unity is going to show itself as Aurora and Thomas and Megan love and serve each other, and as they continue to love and serve alongside the rest of us as members of Ascension Lutheran Church. But it will show itself when we serve them. God is calling us today to serve them as they grow in their faith. So what does that look like? It looks like maybe pestering them when they aren't being faithful in their church attendance. It looks like supporting them and supporting our confirmation in youth ministry so that they continue in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And most importantly, it means praying for them. If you will commit to praying for these three young people, will you raise your hand this morning? The three of you look behind you. Look at all the hands raised. These people are and will be praying for you, not just today, but as you go away to college, if that is God's will, so that you will continue and remain in the faith and as you live the rest of your lives in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. So Aurora, Thomas, Megan, we have been and are and will be praying for you. We're praying that the promises that you make today in just a minute here will be fulfilled in an ever-growing grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ until your life's end or until Jesus comes first. We're praying that you will be partners with us in ministry right now and that you will share your gifts and talents for the sake of the kingdom. But even more importantly, Jesus is praying for you and for all of you. He's interceding for you, the Bible says. He's reminding you of your baptism, and he's giving you his broken body and shed blood to eat and drink today, and every time you come to worship, Jesus is your source, he is your hope, he is your strength, he is your shield. He will never leave you or forsake you. He gives you grace. He gives you knowledge. And never forget this. He forgives you fully and completely. For every sin you ever have committed or ever will commit, he even forgives you for the sinful condition into which you were born. 
he paid the price of his life to make it so for you. So live your lives enjoying the forgiveness of Jesus. Amen.